All right, we have been uh, in a series for the last two weeks on boundaries. So for those of you that are not caught up, go back to the website and download the last couple weeks. If, if something strikes you that you want to go back and, and catch up, because I'm not going to do a lot of uh, uh, follow-up or I'm not going to review a lot tonight. We're going to dive back into it. I do want to say, though, I am going to give you my little spiel on this whole uh, boundaries thing, is that in the physical world, we can see boundaries, we can see fences, we can see hedges. Uh, in our backyard, we have pine trees. Um, you can usually tell whose yard is whose by um, how green your yard is or how not green your yard is. You live by someone whose yard's greener than yours? Does anybody? No? Or maybe you've got rocks? Uh, well, I can tell whose yard is whose just by, by looking. I don't have to have a fence. I can tell whose is whose. Um, but in the spiritual world, there are, there are also boundaries. The problem is we have a little bit of a harder time seeing them. And I want to encourage you that as we are spirit-filled, because if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is his spirit that you have. You have the spirit of Christ. You have the mind of Christ and we, it says in Scripture that if we can tell that it's going to snow tonight, you should be able to see the signs and the things that are coming. Uh, because we are a spiritual people and because we have supernatural ability. There's nothing supernatural about me in my flesh. But there is something supernatural about me in my spirit. Because my spirit communicates with the Spirit of God. And I have the Spirit of God. When I ask Jesus to come into my heart... He physically, the man, did not come into my heart. His spirit did. The man is in heaven, right? He's gone. He left so that he could send us his spirit, so that he could have relationship with everyone because I, as a human, cannot have relationship with the entire world, right? Are you all with me? So we have a spirit. We should be able to see these boundaries. The problem is we get numb to them or we stop listening to them or we stop seeking after the spirit of God. So we, start, we stop seeing. So what's it, what, what the, the point of this message is to help define what your boundaries are. And one thing about boundaries is, is it defines who I am and it also defines who I'm not. It's a fine line, and it's so easy to step onto somebody else's property and to want to take control of it. And it's easy to let somebody step into our property and let them take control of it. It's easy. Uh, the heart of this message is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Brian, you just follow me. If I get behind you, help me out. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We make so many mistakes allowing our heart to be given in areas that it was never supposed to be given. And we make so many mistakes not allowing our heart to be given to areas that it should be given. Fences are not walls. Fences should be able to let good in. There should be gates. There should be gates to be able to let the good in. But those gates should be able to be shut so that we can keep the bad out. Right? These things go both ways. So we want to define what is me and what is not me. Last time, and I'm going to go ahead and share this story again, the story of the Good Samaritan. And you guys know this story. There was a, an Israelite that was beaten, left for dead on the side of the road. And it sounds like a joke. Here comes a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan, you know, go walking in a bar. But no, they go walking down the street. 
the priest whom you think would, should, would stop doesn't. Gets on the other side of the road, sees the guy, and is like, ah, I'm not messing with that. Here comes the Levite, same thing. I'm not going to mess with that. Then here comes the Samaritan. And culturally, he is the one that probably, we would think, in our world, he's the guy from the other side of the tracks. He would be the one that would have not gone and helped him, but he did. He moved in compassion, went to the man, got him to an end, got him medical help, and said, look, I have to go, but here's money. Take care of him. I'll be back in a few days. If the money doesn't cover it, I'll be back, and I will pay it. Care for this man. So the story ends there. But what if this Israelite who's injured, who's in a coma, who's laying there for dead, right before the good Samaritan leaves, wakes up and says, whoa, 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 you can't leave. I might need you. Don't go. There might be something that I need. I might need somebody to talk to or, or I might need food. And the Samaritan says, oh, okay, I'll stay with you. He stays with him the next day. He says, uh, Mr. Israelite, i got to go. I've got work to do. You can't leave me. Man, you're not a biblical person. You don't hear the Lord. The Lord would tell you to stay for me. The Lord says he's full of compassion and mercy. The man, out of guilt, says, okay, I'll stay. Another day goes by and wakes up, and, and the Samaritan wakes up to a businessman at his door, knocking on the door and says, look, I'm sorry, I've had to sell the camels. I'm sorry, what the business that you had to do is gone. I could not wait on you any longer, and we've already moved on. Adios. Now the Samaritan turns to the injured man and says, look what you've done to me. You've cost me my livelihood. Now I can't put food on my table. Now I can't care for my family. And all of a sudden you see that out of the Samaritan being coaxed into staying when he shouldn't have stayed, he had cared and he had done what he was supposed to do, but then he needed to move on and get on to what he was supposed to do in his life. Do you guys follow that? How we get roped in or we wind up doing things that we are not called to do, that we know we shouldn't do, and we wind up getting in the way of that man healing appropriately. Instead, he doesn't heal appropriately. He heals with a, with a leech attached to him. Now he can't function without that help. So it winds up hurting both. When we grab hold or we get involved or, or, or pass up on a boundary um, that we know we shouldn't do or maybe we don't know we shouldn't do, but we get in over our head. So to avoid these scenarios, I want to talk about some, some areas of where our boundaries falls. And I shared this one last week and then we're going to get into some new ones. The first one is feelings. Feelings. And, you know, feelings have gotten such a bad rap. I can tell you, y'all heard me from last week. I spent the last, I'm, I'm 43, I don't, how old, how old am I? I'm 44, 44. Spent about the first 40 years of my life not dealing with my feelings at all. Not even thinking about them. Thinking it was wrong and it was a sissy to talk about them. And things would come up, and my wife would say, how do you feel about that? And I would just respond, it doesn't matter how I feel. This is how it is. But when I started to really deal with my feelings, my staff has kind of watched me go through this. Man, the first hump was hard to get through because I didn't realize how I really felt. But it was so important that I start to address my feelings because they were there. 
But feelings play such an enormous role in our behavior and in our motivation. How many times have people done stupid things because of hurt feelings? How many times have you reacted in a certain way because of your feelings? Our feelings cannot be ignored, nor, listen to me, nor can they be put in charge. Our feelings can't be in charge. The Bible says to own your feelings and to be aware of them. Do you know your feelings can motivate you to do a lot of good? The good Samaritan moved by his feelings of wanting to help him and helped him. Um, The father in the prodigal son story was moved to run to his son when he had returned. But don't you remember what all bad he had done? But his feeling was love. It is that picture of God's love that when even though we have messed up at every turn, there is the Father feeling for us. He can't wait. He has been waiting and looking so long. And Jesus, it tells us, that he was moved with compassion when he would minister to people. He had feelings. You know, feelings come from your heart, and they can help you identify the state of your relationship. I can get, uh, Cody and I can get together, and if if we're not right together, I'm going to feel it. I'll feel it. It will be something tangible. If things are right, I'll feel it. If things are wrong, I'll feel it. How many of you can feel the state of your spouse? All I got to do is just get around my wife, and man, I can feel it, (laughs) positive or negative. Usually, I'm more apt to picking up on the negative. (laughs) I can tell when things aren't right. When things are right, sometimes I I don't know. I don't know if I'm just not paying attention. Uh, We're not perfect. But I want you to know the point is that your feelings, listen to me now, are your responsibility. Your feelings are not your spouse's responsibility. They're yours. And you've got to own them so that you may see your problem and identify whatever issue those feelings are pointing to. So, after feelings comes attitudes and beliefs. Now, attitudes are your orientation towards something. How you are seeing something. How you are feeling about something. The stance you take toward others, God, toward life, toward work, and toward relationships. But beliefs are things that you believe or you accept to be true. Attitude and beliefs are not the same thing. But so many times we don't see that our attitude or our belief many times is the source of our discomfort. Our attitudes and our belief. We blame other people for our situation, and it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. All the way back to the beginning. This is not new material. We've got to own our attitudes and convictions because they fall within our property line. We are the ones who feel their effect and the only ones who can change them. Do you know that no matter what I face, I can choose my attitude? I can choose it. It may not be how I'm feeling. 
How many of you know that if your feeling follows, if your attitudes follow your feelings, uh-oh, things are not going to go well for me now, ever. You know the hard thing about attitudes, though? We learn them early. We learn them from our parents. We learn them from our experiences as a child and, and really kind of start to think that they're true or they're right. This is just the way you should feel when this happens. And they're wrong. They play such a big part of the map of who we are and how we operate. People who have never questioned their attitudes, never questioned their feelings, can fall prey to the dynamic that Jesus referred to as people holding on to the traditions of men. How many of you do stuff that you finally got questioned maybe by your spouse and you never knew why you did it. You just did it. My parents did it. Well, why? I don't know why. Well, can you just think about it? Because maybe that's not the direction to continue to go in. I don't want to fall into the traditions of men if God has moved on from it. People with boundary problems usually have a distorted attitude about responsibility. They feel that to hold people responsible for their feelings and choices and behaviors are mean. But I want you to know that Proverb repeatedly tells us to set limits, that setting limits and accepting responsibility literally will save lives. Do you know that behaviors have consequences? Behaviors have consequences. If I behave a certain way, I'm going to have a consequence to that behavior. It's easy to see it with children. We talked about it Sunday morning. The Word of God says that you will reap what you sow. So, so, if you study, what are you going to reap? Good grades. If you go to work you're going to reap a paycheck, right? If we exercise, we're going to reap better health. If we act lovingly toward others, we're going to reap stronger, more um, real relationships. But on the negative side, if we sow idleness or irresponsibility or out-of-control behavior, we're going to reap poverty and failure and an out-of-control life. What you sow, you reap. But there are natural consequences to our behavior. Now, if you don't catch anything, catch this. One of the biggest problems that happens in life is we get in the way of the sowing and reaping. We try to keep our children from reaping the consequences of what they've sowed. I told you guys, uh, I think it was last Wednesday, um, I've got one child that will not get up in the morning. And I have tried to encourage my wife that we would get on the same page and stop rescuing this child morning after morning. If we will allow the consequences to, to serve its purpose, this child will learn. That's the key. 
is that they learn. If not, they're going to need mom the rest of their life. Do you guys follow what I'm saying at all? There should be a consequence to an overdrinker. There should be a consequence to an abuser. But the problem is we get in the way and try to stop it. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 10 says, Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. Now those of you that are new, it's probably going to sound like, oh my gosh, he is the harshest, meanest guy ever. I, ne- I never preach on the, these type of harsh things. I, never. Rarely. But Scripture says stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. When we get in the way of that, we are hindering that person. Now, I want you to catch this quote. It didn't move for me. There we go. To rescue people from the natural consequences of their behavior is to render them powerless. We must not get in the way of reaping and sowing. Can I tell you, God doesn't. God doesn't. I want you to know that for some, most of the sins that I have committed in my life, I'm still paying the price for some of those. Now, the one thing that I didn't have to pay is for that sin nature. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and gave me what I didn't deserve. But I can tell you, if I go out here and I don't sow tomatoes, I'm not going to grow tomatoes. No matter how much I pray. And even though in my storehouse are tomato seeds, God has supplied me with the seed to the sower. But if I don't sow it, God can't bless it. I can pray over them. I can lay hands on them. I can do a rain dance over them. But if they don't get out of that little pack, you guys ever bought seeds in the little pack? How many of you have ever seen those seeds grow from something, but you never sowed them? They stayed in the pack. They're dead. God brings life to them. If we'll sow them, I want you to know I've got no power to make those seeds split and tomatoes to pop up. All my power is obeying God's word and sowing them. Then God goes to work. Hey, I just put seed in the ground. God's like, yeah, I know. Thank. Yay. I can work with that. God, I'm praying over my seeds. I'm praying over my seeds. God's like, sow them. Just sow them. Just sow them and get out of the way. It happens with parents and children. We yell and nag, and instead of allowing our children to reap the natural consequence of their behavior, we get in the way. This is to give our children power. I want my children to be powerful. Powerful. So, let's move on to choices. We've got to take responsibility for our choices. Now, I want you to listen to me. I think we can kind of go numb numb to this. What lies within our boundaries are our feelings, are our attitudes and our beliefs, are our behaviors, are our choices. When we take responsibility of our choices, we begin to partake in the gift from the Holy Spirit of self-control. Galatians 5.23. 
But a boundary plot problem that we have is disowning our choices and trying to lay them onto someone else, the responsibility of our choices onto someone else. You ever heard the expression, I had to, or she or he made me do it? Sorry. You know, I think that I could just about make my kids do something. I don't, I don't even know that I can do that. How many of you have, a, have children that you can't make them do anything? And really, I'm not supposed to make them do anything. They're supposed to have a choice and to reap the consequence of that choice. If they learn that concept, hopefully they'll choose. If not, they can continue to reap negative consequences. He made me. These phrases betray our basic illusion that we are not active agents in our own dealings. We think someone else is in control, and when we allow someone else to be in control of our choices, we're blaming someone else for our choices. We wind up relieving ourselves of our own responsibility. It's not my problem. It's their problem. We need to realize that we are in control of our choices. We need to realize that we are in control of our choices no matter how we feel. I want you to know that I am where I am because of my choices. You are where you are because of the choices that you've made. I chose, so I am here. The awesome thing is, is I can choose my way out of my problem. God's word says that he will always provide a way out. The problem is you've got to choose it. You get to choose it. Taking control of our choices keeps us from making choices um, reluctantly or under compulsion. That's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you know that the Apostle Paul wouldn't even accept a gift that he felt was given because the giver felt that he had to give it? One time he sent one back and said, I will not take it. I will not take it because anything that... that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. And then Joshua gives us this great example. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Remember what he goes on and says? But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I want you to catch this, that you choose. Jesus said the same similar thing when he was given the... uh, Um, the story about the worker, about the master who who hired a worker at the beginning of the day and says, I'm going to pay you, let's say, $10. And then a couple hours later, he hires another one. A couple hours later, he hires another one. Then at the end of the day, he hires somebody else, last hour. And the the worker's going to get paid thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get paid good. These other guys, but all these guys got paid the same. They all got paid the same. Even though the first worker started early in the morning, the others started later, they all got paid the same. And the worker came up and said, yo, 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 something's not right here. And the master's like, what's not right? You agreed to work for $10. What's not right? Where have I missed it? Uh, He started earlier. That's not the deal I made with you. The deal I made with you is that if you work for me today, I'll pay you $10. Now, you can see he has a choice. He has a a choice on his attitude. 
But I want you to know that with this master and with this worker, this worker had the choice. Even though he didn't get, it looked like he didn't get paid the same. But setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. We read a few, a few people in the church, and we all read a book called uh, The Seven Decisions. And the, I think the first thing that they started dealing with is dealing with your own issues. Your issues are not someone else's. And if you always blame someone else for your problems, you will stay right where you are. If you will own them and start making choices, making different choices, you will come out of where you are. But as long as you continue to blame other people for your problems, you will stay right there. You are in control of you, not the other person. You. You are the one who makes these choices. You are the one who has to live with the consequences. And you are the one who is keeping yourself from making choices that could make you happy. You. Me. It's my fault. Values. What we value is what we love and assign importance to. It's easy for me to know what you value if I'll just hang around you for a little while. I could know what you value. You'll talk about it and you'll do it. Your time, where your time goes and where your money goes is what you value. Even though you may say, yeah, I value reading the Bible and worshiping all the time and, you know, kumbaya all the time, but you're doing all this other stuff all the time. No, 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 no. This is where your value is. And you know what? It's not necessarily, it's a good thing to be able to be honest with yourself. Quit saying, we think what we're saying is what we really believe, but if we, we did a thing years ago that changed our life with our money. Joe McGee said, write down every dollar you spend, every dime, every penny you spent for a month, and you're going to see what you value. It was incredibly shocking. Had no idea where my money was going. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And it was right after that, we wound up walking through Dave Ramsey. And I'm telling you, when you take account and you start making good choices, God blesses it. God doesn't bless bad choices. He's not going to. What kind of dad would bless a bad choice? How many of you have seen, have watched parents kind of draw a line and then they mess up and they reward them for their bad behavior? Uh, problems down the road. Reward good behavior. Encourage. Set them up for wins. But don't reward bad behavior. Value. When we take responsibility for out-of-control behavior caused by the wrong things, when we start to take ownership that we are valuing the wrong stuff that has no lasting value, and when we confess that we have a heart that values things that won't satisfy, you know what can happen? God can change you. When we start to acknowledge my heart's in the wrong place, you know what can happen? God can create a new heart in you. He can cause you to see things differently. Let me end with this one, is limits. This will be the final one. 
two aspects of limits that stand out when we talk to boundaries. I think that we can think of what the first one would be is setting limits on other people. It's pretty easy to think, I need to set a limit on this person. And I want you to know that setting limits on others is a misnomer. We are not to set limits on other people. We can set limits on our exposure to those people. That's a limit on us, not a limit on them. I'm not going to let you do this to me anymore. Well, good luck with that. How many of you have said to your spouse, I'm not going to let you do this anymore? Let me tell you, I can't control my wife for nothing. I tried a long time. And if y'all know my wife, it did not go well. Then we start to realize I'm not called to control her. I'm called only to control me. God gave me not the gift of other control. He gave me the gift of self-control. And let me tell you, that's a hard enough job. That will take up my day. I'll have no other time for anything else than to try to control myself. (laughs) So, We're not to control other people. We can limit our exposure. You know, Scripture says to move away from badly behaving people. Bad company corrupts good morals. So get away from it. My dad once says, if you hang around stuff enough, you'll start to stink. Y'all fill in the blank. Is that true? How many of you have ever, uh, y'all remember the soup kitchen? It was on broad. Every time I came out of the soup kitchen, everyone the rest of the day knew where I'd ate because I smelled like it all day. Subway's kind of got that. Uh, Sometimes you come out of Subway and you smell like Subway the rest of the day. But on limits, I want you to hear me. Our model on limits is God. He does not really set limits on people to make them behave. I want you to catch this. God sets standards, but he lets people be who they are. And then he separates himself from them when they misbehave, saying, you know what, you can make that decision and you can go down that road. I'm just not going with you. We're just not going to do that inside my kingdom. You can move out from under my kingdom. You can You can make that choice. But if you want to go that route, I'm not going out there. I'm staying here. It's such a powerful, incredible thing how the Lord allows us to choose. Have you ever thought about how how awesome it is that we get a choice? You know, we live in a nation where, you you know, you may be fussing about your job and you may hate your job and hate your boss and you hate everything about your work. You chose it. We don't live in a society where we get made to do anything. I mean, we can kind of be made to drive the speed limit if they pull us over and catch us at the right time. But really, that's a choice. The policeman's not sitting in the car with us with a gun at our head saying, you better not go over 55. No. You choose. The Lord does not make us do anything. Such an awesome thing. And when we really grasp who the Lord is, 
we want to choose right. I know that I have the Holy Spirit when I desire to choose right because I know my flesh would want to choose the other. Have you ever had that moment when I can't believe I just chose that and I can't believe I want to choose that, but down deep, I want to choose that. God, I can't give it any other excuse to say other than it's the Lord in me because my flesh wants to go the other way. We must learn to separate ourselves from people who are acting badly. We're not being unloving. Setting these type of boundaries when there is bad behavior actually is loving. It protects love because we take a stand against those things that destroy love. You guys grasp this? The the other aspect about limits is about learning to set our own internal limits. We need to have space inside ourselves to where we can have a feeling or an impulse, a feeling or an impulse or a desire without acting it out. That is the definition of self-control. I want to scream, but I'm not going to. Man, that hurts. I'm not trying to tell you that your feelings aren't real. They are real. Man, that hurts. And I want to go do something stupid, but I'm not going to. And getting around the Lord, getting around people that know the Lord and being able to share, hey, I just had this moment. And the most incredible thing is even in this room right here, someone would say, I've been there. And I've gone the wrong road. Don't choose that road. I know it's hard. Count. To, I, I, it gets on my wife's nerves so bad. But I'll say count to ten. And then react. Don't react right this second. Because my reaction is going to be bad. I don't know if you guys ever watched The Office. I hate that I'm even going to share this. But Michael Scott his secretary would always act like she was passing the call through so that his first reaction wouldn't be to anybody. He'd say something completely stupid. And then she's like, oh, it's still me, the secretary. Now here's the guy, and he would act completely normal. (laughs) We need that buffer. You know who that buffer is? That buffer is the Lord. He will stop your destruction. In the natural, you're destructive then the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, I know you hurt, and we're not going to ignore that hurt. We're going to address that hurt. But right now, I'm going to help you not make your problem worse. These internal limits, these ways of being able to go ahead and have a feeling and not overreacting is a literal boundary that you put up and say, I'm not going to lose it. I don't care that my wife knows who I really am and I can lose it around her. No, I can't. That's who we lose it around are those that we love the most. And it's wrong. Let me encourage you too, that when our heart's right, God's made a way for when we mess up to come back to him and to be restored. He wants to restore you of those mistakes and those bad choices. 
but but the way the way to the Lord is to, is is to love Him and to know Him and to know His Word. He says, "If you love Me, you'll obey Me." And really, what's got to happen is you've got to have a change of heart. I want my heart to change, and I want to desire the right things because God is so good. He is so good. So. Again, on these setting limits, it's more or less limiting ourselves, And sometimes we need to pull back from bad behavior. We need to pull back from bad behavior and just say, you know what, it's fine. You can act however you want to act, but I'm not going down that road. And whenever you want to come back and talk to me again, then let's talk. But as long as it's going this direction, I can't keep going that way. I can't keep going that way. So, kind of deep, this internal structure is so important because it helps us to identify, it helps us show us our identity, our ownership, our responsibility, and our self-control. So, today we looked at, very quickly, attitudes and beliefs, behaviors, choices, values, and limits. And again, I want you to know if you will stay in the Word of God and stay with the Spirit of God and stay with the body of God, it's going to continually point those, that truth out to you. The Word of God tells us that the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us into all truth. So if we will stay focused on Him, we're going to know when false, when a lie is in our face. We're going to know it. If you get down the road and you realize, hey, I believed a lie and I didn't know it, a light needs to go off in you, uh, a, a, an alarm needs to go off in you and say, I need to get closer to God. Because he promised me he'd show me, and I missed it. God did not miss showing you. You missed seeing, you missed hearing him. The problem's not on God's end. Problems are on our end. All right, let me pray.